Chapter Eight of the Daredevil by Maria Thompson Davies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Eight, in the dress of magnificence. The beautiful Madame Whitworth came down upon the same train which I occupied. I said, as I remembered to raise from my head my hat by that action on the part of my Mister Buzz. Oh, then you have been presented to Leglon said Mr. Buzz to that Madame Whitworth, who stood smiling while I was presented to the very lovely girl of great blondness, who both blushed and what is called giggled as I kissed her hand, though in her eyes I found a nice friendliness to me. We are old friends who know all about each other, aren't we, Mr. Robert Carruthers? And in her gay answer to that Mr. Buzz, I detected a challenge, as her eyes of blue flowers in snow looked into mine with the keenness of a knife to detect if I had yet been told aught of her by my uncle. And in the answering look of friendliness I gave her was concealed also a knife of great keenness, which came from a brain which I hoped to do to the death that enemy of France. And also I felt my heart spring to the protection of the honor of the great Gouverneur Faulkner, who had given me a comrade's salute within a few hours past and also to the protection of the honor of my house in the person of my uncle, the General Robert. Indeed, I have much joy that I was given the opportunity to know the very beautiful Madame Whitworth at so early a time in my life in America. I made answer to her question in words, as I bent also over her hand for a kiss of salutation. And then I had a great amusement at the skill with which that Madame Whitworth brought it to pass that I walked with her from that gate and left the three new and lovely friends I had made, looking after me with affection and regret at my departure. Of course it was hard of me to snatch you like that from those infants, but I really had the claim to have you for a little time to hear your impressions of Hayesville, now didn't I? You boy, with eyes as beautiful as a girl's. She said to me as I walked down the wide street beside her, I hope you will always make such claims of me, madame. I made answer with the great sweetness with which I was determined for the time to keep covered the steel knife. I know how to claim, and also to reward. She answered me with a warmth that gave me a great discomfort. And how did you escape from the general into feminine society on your very first day? Wasn't there work for you at the capital? I understand that they are expecting that French commissioner very soon now. She asked the question with an indifference that I knew to be false. I think it is that I am allowed to get my, what you say in English, land legs, I answered with much unconcern. Speaking of that Frenchman who is coming down for the mule contracts, of which by this time you have doubtless heard, I wonder why it is that the Count of Lascelles, your friend, is sending one of his lieutenants instead of coming himself. Did he say anything of coming down later? I wish he would, for to my mind he is one of your greatest soldiers, and I would like to look into his face. That portrait in the review is one of the most interesting I have almost ever seen. Is there any chance of his coming down? And I was of a great curiosity at the anxiety in her face about the movements of my capitaine, the Count de Lascelles. He told me only that he would go to the grain fields of English Canada, madame. I answered her by guardedly telling her no more than my words upon that train had revealed to her. If he writes to you, you must tell me about it, she said with great friendliness. 
I am interested in everything that happens to him. I will do that, with thanks for your interest, I answered to her with an air of great devotion. And behold, is it not the twin oaks of my uncle I see across the street? I asked as I stopped in front of that fine old home that was now mine. Come on down the street to my home, and I'll give you a cup of tea. She invited me with very evident desire for my company for more questioning. I give many thanks, but that is not possible to me, as I must write notes to my Pierre and old Nanette for the evening railroad. I bid you good day, beautiful madam. And again I bent over her hand in a salutation of departure. Then I'll see you again soon she said and smiled at me as i stood with my hat in my hand as she went away from me down the street vive la france and harpeth america i said to myself as i ascended the steps was admitted by the bonbon and conducted up the stairway to my apartments by good kizzy whom i met in the wide hall and there ensued an hour of the greatest interest to me as the very good old slave woman led me from one of the rooms in the large house to another with many stories of great interest. At last we came to that room in which had been deposited my bags and my other equipment for my journey, and there we made a very long pause. This is your grandma Carruthers' room, the general's grandma. She was the high-headedest lady of the whole family that am her portrait over the mantel-shelf. You is just like her as two peas in the pod, and I reckon I'll have to take a stick to you like I did to your father when he was most growed up and stole all the fruit cake I had done baked in July for Christmas, she said with a wide smile of great affection upon her very large mouth. I beg that you put under a key that cake, beloved Madame Kizzy, I made answer to her with also a laugh. Never was no key to nothing in this house, child, she answered to me. I allowed to the general that he had ought to get a lock and key for this here flowered silk dress in the glass case on the wall that the old miss wore at the ball where she met up with the masqueraders. But they do say she comes back and walks as a haunt all dressed in it, and these here slippers and stockings and falderalls in the carved box on the table here under her picture. Is you afraid of haunts, honey? I will not be afraid of this beautiful grandmamma in this dress of so great magnificence, my good Kizzy. I made answer to her with more of courage than I at that moment felt. Well, it's only in case of a death in the house that she lands alive and that my cake burnin'. With which exclamation the good Kizzy left me to the company of the beautiful grandmamma. After having unpacked and nicely put away all the apparel from my two large bags, the fine bonbon retired below to answer a summons from good Kizzy and left me alone for the first time since I had opened my eyes that morning, while being whirled in the railway train down into the state of Harpeth. I looked at the hunting watch strapped to my wrist, which I had worn while traveling, and saw that it was after five o'clock, and I felt that I must sleep before dining, if only for a moment. Thereupon I immediately climbed slowly and awkwardly out of that gray tweed suit of clothes, I did so wonder what could be the best method of releasing oneself from trousers. It is a feat of balance to stand on one foot and remove one portion of the two sides of the trousers, and yet it is an entanglement to drop the two portions upon the floor and attempt to step out of them with the shoes upon your feet. Having succeeded in getting out of them the last night when prone upon the sleeping shelf of the railroad train, without injury to them, I again prostrated myself upon the huge bed in my room and disentangled myself from them while in that position. 
after having completely disrobed i took the bath of the temperature of milk that nanette is accustomed to administer to me inserted myself into the very lovely wedding garments for sleeping that mr g slade had so admired and sank into deep slumber upon the large bed with a silk covering beflowered like the skirt of a lady's dress upon me well well you young sleepy-head up and into your clothes sir we are late for the capital now were the words i heard in what seemed almost the first moment after i had closed my eyes behold my uncle the general robert fully dressed stood beside the bed and a morning sun was shining through the windows i had slept through a long night like a small child upon the bosom of the bed of my beautiful grandmamma who smiled down upon me oh my uncle robert how much time is it that i have to make my toilet i begged of him as i sat up and made a rubbing of my eyes less than an hour sir to get out of that heathenish toggery that the men of your generation have substituted for the honest night-shirt into proper garments and eat your breakfast i'll call you when i am ready to go it was very little more than the hour my uncle the general robert had given to me that i consumed in the accomplishment of a very difficult toilet in a suit of very beautiful brown cheviot which the good man in new york from whom i had procured it said to be for very especial morning wear to my good kizzy i gave a great uneasiness that i did not consume the very elaborate meal that resembled a dinner which she had ready for the bonbon to serve to me and desired only a cup of her coffee and two very small pieces of white bread called biscuits all the Carruthers men folks is friends with their food they is she admonished me at luncheon my kizzy just watch me i said to her in nice united states words as i departed with my uncle the general robert to the capital of the state of harpeth which is a tall building set on an equally tall hill i found much business awaiting me in the form of making a correct translation of all of the letters in a very large portfolio all of which were pertaining to that very tiresome animal the mule but i made not very much progress for a very large number of gentlemen came into the office of my uncle the general robert and to all of them i must be presented in fact in all of what remained of that entire week for most of my moments in the capital i was having very painful shakes of the hand given to me and receiving assurances of my great resemblance to my honored father all of which i did greatly enjoy but nothing was of so much pleasure to me as the visits i accomplished into the office of that gouverneur faulkner with messages of importance from my uncle the general robert it was with a very fine and cold smile of friendliness that he at first received me as i stood with humble attention before his desk upon my first mission to him but with each message i perceived that the stars in his eyes so hid beneath his brows shone upon me with a greater interest and in observing the many heavy burdens that pressed upon his strong shoulders until at the close of each day a whiteness was over his very beautiful face i grew to desire that i could make some little things for him easier i sought to so do and i discovered that it was possible to beguile many very heavy persons to tell to me what it was they wished to impose upon him i took upon a long ride in the car of my uncle the general robert that road commissioner who was making a trouble for my gouverneur faulkner about taking much money from the sum that he desired to be voted for use on the roads of the state of harpeth thus making my gouverneur faulkner not beloved of the people in the country around the capital city 
and when I returned him I had used many beguilements in the way of flattery about the superiority of the roads of America to the roads of all of the world, and had also jolted him to such an extent that he did write a nice letter to my Governor Faulkner, asking that the money be not voted less but even more, so as to beat out the world with the roads of Harpeth. Good boy, was the reward that I got from my Governor Faulkner for that feat and a smile that was of such a loveliness that it lasted me all of the day. Also I made a hard work for myself in saving that Governor Faulkner by much flattery from a large lady who was anxious that he sign a paper by which all women might vote that no more whiskey for mint julep should exist. I very willingly put the name of Mr. Robert Carruthers to the paper, for I do not like those juleps, and I persuaded the nice large lady that she go in that car of my uncle, the General Robert, with me away from the proximity to my chief, the Governor Faulkner, to a place in the city where we could drink that ice-cream soda water that I do so love. That lady was very like many other persons who came to see my Governor, and whom I persuaded to make me much exhaustion instead of him. It was while telling him of the lady and the two very delicious soda ice-creams that he very suddenly interrupted me with a nice smile that had in it a small warmth like the first glow of a fire and said, Robert, I'm going to ask the general to lend you to me for a couple of weeks while I am so pressed. Buzz can do more for him than you do, and, well, just looking at you and hearing you tell about the flies you brush from my wearied brow rests me. Report to me tomorrow instead of to him. I know it will be all right, for he really needs buzz. Now you run home and get ready for one great time at this party I'm giving to you tonight. And, Robert, remember to tell me everything the flies say, translated in your United States. I will, and I go, my Governor Faulkner. I made an answer to him with a laugh in which I did not show entirely all of the pleasure I experienced when I discovered I was to be in the place of his secretary, that fine buzz Clendenning, and with much haste I took my departure from the capital of the state of Harpeth to Twin Oaks in the car of my uncle, the General Robert, for I knew that upon this evening I must make a new and terrible toilet, and I would require much time thereto. The good old Nanette and my governess, Madame Fournay, have always taught me that the art of a lovely woman's toilet could not be performed in less than two hours and I felt that I had better begin in the way to which I was accustomed, and go as far as I could in that direction, then finish in the manly manner which would now be of a necessity to me. The good Bonbon, whom I now know is called Sam, had laid out my evening apparel, from the queer dancing shoes with flat heels, to a very stiff and high collar, upon a couch in the huge room, and after my bath I began to put them upon me with as much rapidity as was possible to me, for a few moments all went well, even up to having tucked the fine and very stiff white linen shirt garment into the silky black cloth trousers. But a trouble arose when I put upon myself the beautiful long coat that is in the shape of a raven, which the American gentleman wears for evening toilet. My shoulders were sufficiently broad to hold it nicely in place, and it fell with a gracefulness upon my hips, but at my waist it collapsed on account of a slimness in that locality. The fit of the tweed, which had been like to that of a bag, had been very correct, and had not revealed the curve of waist, but now it was manifest. What is it that you must do, Roberta, to disguise your roundness of a young woman? All is lost, I said to myself in despair. 
Then a thought came to me. I had never been habited in a corset in my life on account of a prejudice entertained to that garment by my Nanette, but I bethought me to remove that shirt and also the silk one underneath and swath about me one of the heavy towels of the bath. Immediately I did so and fastened it in place with a needle and thread from the gentleman's traveling case that I found in the pocket of my bag. Over it, then, I drew the silk undershirt, and then that of fine linen, before again putting myself into the black raven's dress. Behold, all roundness and slimness had disappeared, and when the collar was added, I could see that I was as beautifully habited as either Mr. Peter Scudder or that Mr. St. Louis of the boat. Roberta of Gray and B, I said to myself as I looked into the tall mirror, it is indeed a sorrow to you that you cannot make your curtsy to that Gouverneur Faulkner, habited in the white lace and tulle garment that is in those trunks which you have lost in that New York, with your throat that your Russian Cossack has said was like a lily at the blush of dawn, bare to his eyes. But you are a nice, clean, upstanding American boy who can be his friend. You must be, and you must play the game and in the language of that Mr. Willie St. Louis, it was some game. End of chapter 8